once more with podcast. Hello. Hello. I'm Phil Tippett. <laughs> you had one job, Phil. <laughs> uh, I'm Taki. And I'm Athena. And this is Once More with Podcast. Yay! Another episode of the podcast. It is going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it is going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome because we're, we're going to be redeeming some truly terrible episodes today. Well, we're certainly going to try, but as I already kind of intimated with my uh, opening, I'm Phil. I kind of failed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for people who don't know who Phil Tippett is, uh, he's the dinosaur supervisor for the Jurassic Park films and so as i explained to taki when i called her phil just before we started recording um because i am <laughs> utterly clueless to almost anything that has been going on in the movie world ever <laughs> <laughs> apart from sliding doors you know that one <laughs> yes please let people know that <laughs> <laughs> hey it's a good film it's got a great premise it's just not very memorable but it's got Gwyneth Paltrow in it. She's yeah, exactly. That's a bad thing. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Phil, let's, uh, let's move in swiftly on. We are here because we are going to attempt to redeem some episodes. <laughs> Two of the worst Buffy episodes ever. Because last podcast, uh, for the 20th anniversary, we had a poll uh, that Athena arranged about you know, which um, episodes the Buffy Boards like the most. And Becoming Part 2 ranked the highest. It was number one. Uh, and there were four episodes which had no votes. No. Very sad. <laughs> no votes. Nil, nil poids, as uh, Eurovision would say, because uh, we're recording on the, uh, the evening of the uh, Eurovision Song Contest. So for people who are outside of Europe, you won't know what Eurovision is. It's a bizarre, fantastical spectacle that is not at all political, nope. so we keep saying. Yep. Uh, but I will get pissed if Norway doesn't vote for Sweden. Just well, so you know, Norway, you have been warned. Neighbors <laughs> always vote for each other. We always get at least a couple of points from Ireland, but we just don't get anything from anyone else. It's been a long true. time since the get UK five points. <laughs> Anyway, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, they, so there were four episodes which got no votes, so Athena yeah. arranged another poll. Yes, when we did the original top 144, a lot of people on the boards were quite upset that these particular episodes had no votes. But as I said back then, you know, well, if you didn't vote for them, then you, know, you didn't vote for them. Um, What's the reason why you didn't cast that vote? <laughs> exactly. Because they suck. <laughs> which one sucked the most so out of the four episodes i've got the numbers in so the the poll basically was which is the worst episode out of these four and the the four that were listed were some assembly required from season two go fish from season two gone from season six and get it done from season seven so they were the four and the least worst with <laughs> six votes was actually Go Fish, which uh, surprised me because I kind of thought that would actually be the worst. 
Um, you know what? Sandra in the Speedo. I think that's what got it. I think that's I'm what, just saying. Yeah. He looks, he looks really good in that Speedo. He actually really does. And, and Cordelia has this lovely moment where she kind of promises to stay with him, even though he's a fish. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting episode. It's, it's got an interesting story. Uh, it anyway. In the beginning, Buffy beats up a jock for trying to make moves on her, and that's always fun. Yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't that the one with, um, oh, what's that guy's name? Wentworth Miller? Yes. Indeed. Yeah, I remember him. He's quite good looking too. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's why it was the the general sort of good looking man vote that uh, that won that one. And in second place, um, some assembly required. Right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was I was expecting you to swoop in there. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was the the one about the guy who his his brother has died, and so yes. he, yeah, so and then, he, he Frankenstein his yeah. brother, and then he's making him a girlfriend, a Frankenstein monster girlfriend. And I actually, I'm, I think I didn't vote for some assembly required because you know I was just picking my favorites from season two when I was voting. Uh, but I do, I'm actually quite fond of some assembly required. It's not the best episode, but I don't think it's the worst either. No, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't put it as you know the worst episode of of Buffy. I actually re- recall us having a conversation. It may or may not have been actually on the podcast because we do speak quite a lot generally. <laughs> um, I am knowing and, and our conversations kind of you know blur all into one sometimes for me. But I do recall you mentioning in the past that you actually quite liked some assembly required. So, yeah. but you still didn't give it that vote. Yeah, but that's, again, I think it's because I just focused on picking my favorites from season two. So there were a lot of ones from season two that I did not give a vote to. Like, I didn't give a vote to when she was bad either. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, but, I mean, I didn't realize that it was going to get no votes, I guess. But uh, in, in general, just, like, classic Buffy, I think it's, it's a pretty good twist on, like, a modern Frankenstein kind of a thing. Uh, I think it's kind of charming in a way. And, I mean, it's thoroughly eerie the way they're putting together a girl. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I don't remember that much about it. But I think that's probably part of the reason why I personally didn't give it a vote, is that I didn't dislike it, but I kind of didn't really remember it. So I was like, well... It's not going to get a vote if I don't really remember it. Um, well, that was for me with the other two was my uh, the tough part for me because I really hate Gone. Like I think it's <laughs> crappy, crappy. I think I literally think it's the worst episode of the Buffyverse. Uh, but I couldn't really remember getting it done, uh, so therefore I was like, can I really? Yeah, like, what do I vote for? Do I vote for what I hate or for what I don't remember, you know? Yeah, yeah. and to be honest, I would say, I mean, we are going to get to Get It Done and, and Gone, which were the, the sort of tied leaders. So we said we'll just do the both of them because, well, we'll try and do both of them <laughs> because, you know, we couldn't possibly choose out of out of the two. But they're not completely terrible. Like, none of these episodes are completely terrible. They are completely terrible. No, they're not completely terrible. That's why 
why we're here. We're trying to redeem them. We're trying to save them. Yeah, go gone and get it done. Our compl- That's why I'm Phil. I left the dinosaurs out, okay? <laughs> well, one of us kept the dinosaurs in and, and, and at least tried to redeem gone. So basically, we, we agreed that Tarky would try and redeem get it done and I would try and redeem gone. So, so yeah, I, I have tried. <laughs> Whether it's, it's a really difficult episode to try and redeem, but. Okay, um, but since you have season six, let's start with you. Okay. Let's start with Gone. Okay, so. It's supposedly um, redeemable episode. Well, it's, it is and it isn't. Now, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, get the elephant in the room out of the way. Uh, and talk about Buffy's terrible wig. <laughs> I did. That was the first note. There's no redeeming that awful wig. Oh my it's God. horrible. It's just like strawberry blonde too. And I'm like, uh, and you're like, do you not think we would notice that she has a completely different haircut? It's a terrible wig. It's a really, really <laughs> bad wig. Um, uh, yeah, there there is no redeeming that wig. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just the worst. It doesn't. It just looks so much like a wig it's it's yeah, a it, color. Makes her, it makes her look really weird like she doesn't really look like buffy in that wig no she looks she looks more like the buffy bot like just it just yeah it just, it just really really doesn't work no it, it's, it's pretty <laughs> terrible i'm just going to go through my notes sort of in order of kind of the airing of what, what we see in the episode and to try and find some redeeming features out of the the scenes that we see um okay. obviously the first thing we see is the wig and pff, yeah <laughs> let's not even go there Not the wig, not the wig. <laughs> now obviously we we have a scene with buffy and dawn clearing out uh, magical paraphernalia from the house uh, we've obviously just experienced in the last couple of episodes willow's descent into magic abuse and they have to get everything as possible out of the house that could trigger Willow regressing back into her magic addiction state. We do get some quality lines about candles. Uh, candles are like bongs, which <laughs> I think is, is quite amusing. And so, yeah, they're, they're packing away all of the, uh, the magic stuff. And Buffy is obviously searching down the side of the sofa and she that's where she finds Spike's lighter. Why was that in their sofa? I, I'm not sure why he was on their couch and it was in their sofa. Well, they were having some fun on the couch, maybe? <laughs> At her house? I don't know. <laughs> okay, look, it, it is a little convenient that she finds it. Um, yeah. But it does kind of work really well to show us that she is still sort of craving that temptation to, you know, go to him and to be with him. And she is still kind of attracted to the darkness that he has um, within him. See, to me, that's all fan fiction. I don't see any of that. She's like, when I look at her, she's like, I don't know, I don't buy any of it. What, that she's not like, she doesn't seem depressed in the least. She doesn't seem like she would. I, I, I just don't buy it. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Spuffy fans. <laughs> but I think it's all fan fiction and it's super convenient. And it's just to make 
fucking happen. It's it it. She's not convincing me. <laughs> canon in the show so it's not really fan fiction when it this is what's happening because I know but I don't see it relationship so. with him yeah but I don't see it so for me it is fan <laughs> <laughs> I just don't it's not compelling writing to me I don't see them selling it you know it, it's not incredibly you know it's, the, the whole sort of build up of the relationship isn't you know, written incredibly well, you know, we kind of go from... It kind of, for me, it feels like it's clumsy and forced, kind of like Angel. Like, she's not apathetic. She's not... She seems to feel for Willow. She feels for Dawn. Uh, so she doesn't seem... I don't understand. Yeah. And I, I guess for me, I don't see any chemistry between her and Spike either, but, I mean, that's just me. Oh, uh, chemistry. No, there's <laughs> chemistry. <laughs> there's, look, if you remember back to something blue, the whole reason we got Spuffy in the first place was because there was chemistry there. And Well, that's because she was also perky, happy Buffy there. She is now, uh, and I, I didn't buy that chemistry either. That was also really forced. No, I, I feel I like people know. are just like, oh, James has nice abs. I feel like that's kind of the chemistry. <laughs> that people want to see James's abs. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, clearly, if you don't kind of buy into that relationship, then you can't redeem the episode from that. Uh, whereas I can, because... Okay, I am am on the good shit, Buffy. I I do have to ask, how do you redeem the fact that Spike says, oh, I love your hair, this hair, how it bounces around, and then in pure disgust of herself, Buffy goes and cuts her hair? Because it's it's this inner conflict that she's got. She's had this sexual relationship with him. She, She kind of, she wants it, but she doesn't want it. And she's got this conflict within her that she, that she shouldn't want this. This is supposed to be disgusting to her. You know, well, it's this, because it is disgusting. But it's not because she she feels compelled to kind of keep going back to it. And it's not unheard of for a person to be in a relationship that is toxic, but they can't help but partake in it. It's It's kind of... Uh, a catch-22 situation, really. That... I mean, I get all that, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. Because to me, that is just proof that they shouldn't be together because it's just destructive and toxic. So they shouldn't be together because she's killing herself, uh, which I believe is exactly how she breaks up with them in the next episode. So that's why they shouldn't be together. So I don't understand how people can want them to be together from seeing these things because these are all... <laughs> Horrible, destructive things. They are horrible, destructive things. So I just, I don't understand it. But I, I can't wrap my but, mind around. <laughs> but that's the thing is that some people, I guess, just can't understand, you know, why you would be in a position where you want something with someone that you don't really like that much. From my point of view, it's very clear to me that the the two actors, they do have a chemistry together. And whilst, you know, I, I, I'm obviously only saying this from my point of view, I think that the, the scenes with Spike and Buffy in the kitchen, they're interesting from the point of view that he obviously knows what he wants, 
she kind of does but she kind of doesn't in in a way it's it's kind of setting things up because we know further on in in this particular season you know shit's going to get real because of the way Buffy is so unsure of this particular relationship I guess from my point of view I just don't see any of it because when I was watching it for me it's like it's like watching two doors interact I I just I don't see a chemistry I just don't, because it looks like when she looks at him and she has, like, dead eyes and everything just seems forced to me. But, I mean, I guess it depends on what you see. Uh, yeah, but like with most things, you know, you, you interpret it the way you want to interpret it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess that's why I just don't really get it, because I guess I, I don't really see the fire, you know? Yeah. No, I, I can understand that. I mean, I I think that their scenes together are, are genuinely, you know, pretty, pretty good and... and pretty hot uh <laughs> but you know it's we're obviously getting to a point in the show where she is becoming very emotionally distant and she's it's clear she's not in a good place but spike really doesn't understand he doesn't have the understanding presumably because he lacks a soul to kind of leave it alone he's constantly kind of pushing and pushing and pushing because you know he wants to ban her <laughs> <laughs> And now that he's kind of had a taste of the honey, so to speak, he wants to keep going back to the honey part and keep going back and keep going back. And it is very interesting to, you know, from that point of view, to kind of watch this relationship kind of unfold. And and also when Xander arrives, his comments kind of reinforce her feeling of hatred towards herself. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's kind of funny when Xander arrives because they're so obvious. Yeah, no, they really are. Like, oh, you're never gonna get with Buffy, and I'm like, he's basically doing her on the kitchen, like in the kitchen, like yeah. uh, she's not exactly saying no before you came in. Like, it's very clear <laughs> he's he's touching her in a very intimate place. Yeah, uh, when you see her face when he's touching her, he's uh, a. I mean, it's um, I mean, James is a good actor, so you can see that a. He is inside of her pants, but it, you can also tell that he notices that he feels his lighter in her pocket. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, he's obviously touching her in her most intimate parts. So how come Sandra? I mean, I yeah, it, it was just yeah. kind of funny because it's it's so obvious <laughs> that they're doing it. Yeah, but the thing is, there's so much happens just. In, well, you could sort of take any TV show and something is about to happen and someone else walks in and it's like so obvious to the viewer that that's what was going to happen. But but the other yeah, character's yeah. like, uh, we doing? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I just want to say that I, I don't really, I know I, I, I sound a lot like I hate Spike and Buffy. I don't. I just, I don't really buy it. Uh, but I just want to know. I, I don't really hate the pairing. It's not like watching them together makes me sick or something. It's. I just wish it would have been. I don't know. I, I, there's something lacking for me. I guess. Well, it's not his abs. Because no, uh, they're, they're spectacular. Um, no. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> um, oh yeah. It's just for me personally. I think there's just some really nice character development for, for Buffy in this kind of first scene in her house. It's showing her moving further and further away from her friends and moving, being conflicted as to does she want to move more towards Spike or doesn't she? And, and it just kind of sets up what's going to happen later on in the episode. 
when she has the freedom to pretty much do whatever she wants. What does she choose to do? But we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, because Doris, the uh, social services lady, knocks on the door. She is concerned about Dawn. And to be fair, she's not really a very good character. So I can't really redeem Doris. Honestly, um, <laughs> can I interject? You may. This is why I hate Gone so much. It has nothing to do with Spike. It has a little bit to do with fucking being invisible. But this is why. It's the social services thing. Because for me, and I li- this literally makes me hate Buffy as a character. Because she shouldn't have Dawn. She's irresponsible. She's self-absorbed. She's neglecting this poor child who should be taken away from her. Doris is doing her job. Yeah. She's drawing conclusions. This is a terrible home for a child. And it is a terrible home for a child. Well, all Buffy does is lie <laughs> to Doris's face. Yeah, and then she goes invisible, and then she haunts this poor, innocent social worker and might get her out of a job because Buffy's incredibly self-obsessed. And it pisses me off. So much because the, also, especially because people keep saying that life is the big bad is the theme for this season, which I think is total bullshit. And this episode totally proves that because I think that life is the big bad is the theme of season five. Um, where all these terrible things happen to Buffy, like she loses her mom and stuff like that. Uh, and I do feel like life is, as the big bad would have worked better if Dawn would have been taken away from her. And here, I'm going to give you an alternative plot line, okay? Go for it. This is what I would have wanted at the end of Gone. Like, keep most of Gone the way it is, but at the end of Gone, Buffy loses custody of Dawn, as she should, because she's a terrible guardian. Like, I cannot stress this enough. I don't give a shit about the fact that people are going to tell me that she is depressed, because I was also depressed, and I was the guardian of my little brother, and I kept it together for his sake, okay? (laughs) Stop being so self-absorbed, Buffy. It's not all about you. This is, you know, I get it. You just want to bang Spike, but in that case, you shouldn't have Dawn, because she needs somebody adult to care about her. So in my alternative... Plot line: Dawn is taken away from Buffy. Heartbreak all around. Uh, Dawn ends up in a family. Turns out to be demons. Buffy doesn't know because Buffy can't see Dawn at the moment because she has been taken away from her. Spike does what Spike does best. He lurks. Uh, and he figures out that Dawn is in a demon family. And then he tells Buffy, and Buffy comes and saves the day, and at the end of it, she gets reunited with Dawn, and things are better between them, and Buffy stops being a selfish, selfish bitch. <laughs> That's my alternative plot line, and we could have that instead of the terrible double meat palace, and <laughs> I think the doctor, and whatever. It is uh, actually a really good <laughs> idea to kind of have that happen, because at least then Buffy would realize the consequences of her actions. Exactly, um, that, you know, Dawn could literally be taken away from her. Yeah. And I, I really, really feel like Dawn should be taken away from her to wake her up, really, because she doesn't care about Dawn at this point. She really doesn't. Yeah. But with Doris's visit, Buffy, Buffy causes problems for herself. You know, she's the yeah. one who lies. She lies about living alone. She lies about her relationship with Spike. And obviously, magic weed is 
still weed. <laughs> that's the thing, that's the thing oh, my God, I love it. When she says it's magic weed, you're like, yes, that's better, Buffy. That's way better. <laughs> you know, yes, she is having a rubbish time in her life and she is neglecting Dawn. But generally, you know, as far as social services are concerned, there's nothing wrong with her having a boyfriend or having a friend yeah. living with her. But Buffy actually makes it sound worse. So yeah. she's kind yeah. of digging her own hole here. So I don't think there's kind of much you can redeem about that because, like you said, Buffy is being an idiot. Um, yeah. I mean, the, I get it that she's like, and I know what I want, but if she had just gone like, yeah, fine, he's my boyfriend, that would have looked much better than her being like, no, I don't know him, pretty much. Yeah, it, uh, it's stupid. It's, yeah, it's stupid. So anyway, she goes, she goes to the salon. And she gets a super new short hairstyle, which is super cute. It like, is super ugly. No! <laughs> you don't like it? No, it's terrible. But it's better than the wig, right? Uh, it's better than the wig. It's definitely better than the wig. <laughs> no, I love, I love the hair. I think the hair looks great. Really? Yeah. Because it's so different. And, you know, we're used to seeing Buffy with long hair. And it's just I nice know, to have but that it's, change. It's not a... Good hairstyle. Well, okay, what do I know? I've had the Rachel cut since, like, 1997. But I, I like it. I think it's a great style. I think it looks cute. I, she has new hair. <laughs> I'm trying to redeem this episode here. Her hair is super cute. Please let me have that. <laughs> then we've got the trio. So, okay. I'm, I really struggle to redeem the trio, but I kind of have tried a little bit. They they steal the most non-diamond-looking diamond in the world. It literally looks like a bit of plastic for this invisibility ray, um, which, you know, Andrew and Jonathan get into a fight over the ray, as you do, because, you know, children and their playthings, and, and it hits Buffy as she leaves the salon. So basically, she has this super cute hairstyle, but then disappears because it's not there anymore. And, okay... So now we've got, I've coined a phrase for this, Invisibuffy, <laughs> I call her. Okay, so, Invisibuffy. <laughs> then, then we have the the reign of Invisibuffy, uh, which is really <laughs> bad. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's terrible. I, I tried really hard. I was thinking, how can I redeem Invisibuffy? And she does some really horrible things. She harasses Doris at work, which to me just is really cruel. It is really the, the, cruel. The poor woman's just trying to do her job. And, yeah. And then it's like when Sander is like, because I thought it was a nice tie-in to season one when he asks if she was feeling ignored, like Marcy. Yes, in yeah, season one. And <laughs> yeah. then she goes like, feeling ignored, I wish. She sounds like such a brat and not at all like a... Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't. Yeah. I just thought that that was kind of lousy writing. It, it felt very out of tune for where the character is at this moment. And I think that's, um, like I said, I tried to redeem it, but it's really difficult. Um, I think that's kind of my main problem with this episode is Invisibuffy is not Buffy. Invisibuffy yeah. is like a prankster, like nonchalant, like doesn't really care. I mean, the, if the Buffy that we know would never steal a traffic warden's car. I know, I thought about that too. I was like, what the f*** is she doing? I was like, when she just randomly goes up to that woman and takes her cap off her head, I mean, 
what are you doing? That's just horrible. You don't... It doesn't matter if you're invisible. You don't just walk... And the fact that she walks into people, I mean, that is so rude. Yeah, I, I felt like... Yeah, I don't know. It didn't feel like Buffy anywhere. It didn't feel like normal Buffy. It didn't feel like depressed Buffy. It just felt like, oh, let's give this season something to laugh about, but it's incredibly forced because you don't buy it. No, because it's not... That's not Buffy. That's not what she would do. I mean, um, yeah, I mean the, the only invisible thing I buy her doing is going to Spike, actually. Yeah. I mean, that's very easy for me to redeem because, you know, hello, Spike with no shirt on. <laughs> Great. However, However, the line However, which... <laughs> imagine if Spike had turned invisible, would you have been as quick to redeem if he suddenly came upon Buffy and slammed her upon a wall and ripped all her clothes off? I'm just saying, male consent matters, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest. I was kind of too fixated on his shirtless body to to uh, think about yeah, that. That's but, kind of for me. <laughs> um, you're absolutely right, though. I mean, he he doesn't actually consent to that particular thing happening to him. Uh, it's kind of funny though those scenes uh i actually feel really bad for james marsters i totally understand that he would be like come to work and be like oh yeah you're wearing a sock today because he's very naked in most scenes and i understand that a lot of people appreciate that but for him to come to work i i understand that he would have some body issues during that season (laughs) throughout this whole scene from i was going to say that um the worst line that I think Buffy ever kind of gives in the whole of the show is when she goes to Spike and she obviously, you know, rips his shirt open. Bear in mind, this is the guy that she's about to have sex with. She says, stop trying to see me. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? What? What's that? <laughs> I mean, okay, I know I'm trying to redeem this, like- but... <laughs> It feels like they're like, oh, this is a clever pun because she's invisible. Get it? And you're like, yeah, we get it. You know that she's invisible. Yeah. But the thing is, like, James Masters is such a good sport sort of throughout this whole kind of scene. He's clearly obviously doing it. That sounds wrong when I say doing it to himself, but yeah. Yeah, he's... <laughs> the, the whole kind of exercises on the bed and everything like that and pretending to hump thin air and the earlobe biting that whatever they're doing to his earlobe at that time. Um, I actually felt kind of bad for Spike in that scene. <laughs> but how, the thing is, Xander's in the room, right? Yeah. And we can hear Buffy giggling and moaning and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of these, well, like we mentioned earlier, where a character just does not get what's going on. Again, Xander, how can you not get? Buffy is invisible. There is someone in Spike's yeah. bed who's playing with his earlobe, and Spike is like trying to bat this person away. Exactly, and also like no, when, it's invisible right now. When he goes, I'm exercising, and then he just pounds her harder, which I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> but she literally goes, she's like, oh. <laughs> it's, it's genuine. See, I found that genuinely quite funny. <laughs> I mean, it is quite funny, but I mean, I hate scenes where it's funny because you make another character an absolute idiot. And it's like, Sander, yeah, like you say, he obviously knows that Buffy is invisible at this point. 
So, I mean, yeah, fine. He doesn't think that Buffy would sleep with Spike, but he's not that dumb. <laughs> I, feel like I can't believe that Xander is that dumb. I really no. can't. He must know. I refuse to believe that he's, he's not that dumb. But anyway, so Xander's like, oh, you've not seen Buffy? Oh, okay, bye then. Uh, <laughs> and so this is where the, the, the episode does start to get quite interesting. Because they've just had sex, Buffy's invisible, she's like, I can do anything, I'm invisible, I can do what I want, I'm free of the constraints of everything that's going on, and it's Spike that is actually the astute one in here, and highlighting to Buffy that she's only happy to be with him when it's on her terms, because she's invisible yeah. and no one else can know about it, because she says about she's free and, you know, free of life. And he says, yeah. well, you know, that's another way of saying dead. Yeah. And we talked the show. It's one of the, the better about... lines of the show, actually, yeah. or, or of, the, of the episode. Yeah. And I think this is where we can redeem Gone, is that, on the whole, Invisible Sea is terrible, a terribly executed idea. It could have been, had Buffy actually been some sort of semblance of herself, it could have actually been quite good. But it's here that we actually get to the real kind of nitty-gritty of what the episode is trying to do. And Buffy essentially still has a death wish. And I just think it's really interesting for the fact that her lover, who is actually dead, is telling her Invisible Buffy is still, you know, carefree, doesn't really care about anything. The only thing that kind of makes her kind of bump back down to earth is Willow, who in the background has been researching the effects of this ray uh, deduces that Buffy eventually is going to die. Um, and that's kind of the only time that the goofiness of Invisible Buffy stops and she actually starts being Buffy. And the other thing that I really like about this episode is out of all of her friends, it's Dawn who's actually the voice of reason because Dawn walks in to find, yeah. um, you know, the fridge wide open and where is Buffy or oh, Buffy's there. And she's like, what are you doing? You know, And this... Buffy's an asshole again. To yeah. Dawn, who shouldn't be in her custody. I'm it's... just saying. Yes. This is what makes me hate the episode. <laughs> but Dawn's the only one out of everyone in the Scoobies who is genuinely upset that Buffy is acting the way that she's acting. Yeah. And it is a really bad episode. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's the best episode. It's not even like the 140-something best episode. But... <laughs> I think it it is redeemable just purely for the bits with Spike, I think. And that's not just because I think he's got a hot body, because, you know, well, obviously he's got a hot body. But he actually tells her the truth, and he's kind of the only one who really does tell her the truth. But you, um, just, told that you just said that Dawn also was the only one who saw her. And told yeah, her. apart from Dawn. <laughs> I see your spike goggles ah. and I call your bluff look just because I wasn't reading that specific part of my notes at that one time it doesn't mean that I wasn't I meant dawn as well obviously just it's it's just I just said spike that's all <laughs> um anyway we're, we're even not at the end of the episode yet oh Jesus this is, this has to stop soon Okay, well, let's fast forward to the absolutely terrible idea somebody had 
to make also the trio invisible, and then to have Willow oh. be held by the trio. Meanwhile, Buffy verbally spars with an invisible trio while Buffy's invisible. So it's just a lot of air we're looking at and a lot of not-so-snappy, snappy dialogue. Uh, and it's terrible. Okay, right. The only thing I can... Okay, I've worked really hard to redeem this. Okay, so this is my redeeming of this final fight. Okay? Brace yourselves. It ends. <laughs> so, there are some really good lines, eventually. We get to them eventually, when they're not invisible anymore. Um, I'm sorry, did I snort out loud? <laughs> Look, right, the fact that no one knows who Andrew is, and that they, oh, he's Tucker's brother. Oh, yeah, that, that is It's not funny. funny. It is funny. And not arch nemesis disease is funny. It's not funny. It's funny. But anyway, other than that, the whole fight is ridiculous. It It is completely ridiculous. All they've got is they've got a camera, and they're just waving it around the room, like waving it. <laughs> and, and that's basically Poor it. Poor Alison Hannigan has to stand there and react to people who aren't there. <laughs> Although, I do have to question how Willow knew where to aim the invisibility ray to bring them back, because they're invisible. So, yeah, But she gets a perfect shot every time. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, I, I can't answer that. However, however, in the arcade, when we see uh, the trio in the arcade, Andrew and Jonathan are playing a game in the arcade. Now, the game that they're playing is a, a fighting game called Dead or Alive. Of course you'd know that. Of course. But <laughs> I just thought it was a very fitting game to put in because obviously Buffy was dead and now she's alive. Okay, so, now you're just looking for that? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm redeeming the episode. This is so, what we call fan fiction. <laughs> it's just fake news. You know what? I'm uh, going to give my, uh, the one part of redemption I felt for this episode. Okay. And that is actually way before where we are now. Uh, there is a scene with the trio in their basement. And they are talking about, and both uh, Jonathan and Andrew are very upset about the fact that Buffy is going to die because they don't want to be killers. And they actually thought that whole scene was a very nice character development between the trio because uh, Jonathan stands up to Warren and Warren kind of stands down, but you can see that Warren is breaking apart from these three already or these two already, uh, and that, you know, obviously at the end of the episode, he does intend to kill Buffy, uh, regardless of the other ones. So they are not a trio anymore. Warren is already the main villain. You know, the other two are basically just his minions. And, yeah. and I think that there's... I just think that that's a very nice development there, dynamic, because this is kind of where Warren stops stops being part of, like, the funny ha-ha trio, and he starts being a true monster. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I didn't actually write that down. Oh, sorry, I'm going to sneeze again. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Um, yeah, I didn't actually write that bit down at all, so I must have just completely missed that. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I was too obsessed with Game's Master's app. Um <laughs> One thing I noticed is that, obviously, a bit earlier on, I didn't mention it, but um, it's a, I've got two sets of notes, so I do apologise. So, okay, the first thing is, is Willow 
goes to the espresso pump to go on the internet. Now, obviously, I, I appreciate that this is like, you know, back in the early 2000s. So perhaps Buffy didn't have internet at home? Of course they didn't. In season seven, they explained to her what Google is. <laughs> okay, well, that makes perfect sense because originally I was like, why is Willow going to the espresso pump to research online? That's ridiculous. Um, but anyway, so she she does the search on the DMV to find the black van. Yeah. Um, and she finds that it's registered to Jonathan. However, she ends up going to Warren's house. <laughs> so I don't know quite how she manages to do that. Um, and she walks straight in as well, which is cool. Yeah. <laughs> she walks straight in some random person's house, why don't you? Um so, but, I mean, otherwise, I think Willow is quite underserved by this episode. She doesn't really do much. Um, she's just trying to stay on the wagon. Um, I will say one more good thing for this episode, and it okay. is a Willow's shirt, which has skinny skulls, and her cardigan, because while I wouldn't wear it myself, I do find Willow fashion very adorable. It felt oh, very see. classic Willow, you know, like the shirt with the print. Felt very classic Willow. Yeah. I did notice the, uh, what is it, skinny skulls? Is that what it says? Yeah, I think that was yeah. what it said. And the, obviously the long kind of cardigan that she wears at the end. I'm pretty certain that Alison Hannigan could wear a bin bag and still. <laughs> but it's just so uh, funny because, you know, I mean, I, I really love Willow. And it's so funny because, you know, on How I Met Your Mother, Alison always has like, kind of these high fashion stuff on, like designer stuff. Um, so it just really makes me appreciate Willow's very own personal style, because she has a very Willow style that I think only Willow can pull off. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I thought that was... Uh, yeah. I thought that was cute. Um, so, I'm just trying to think, have I got any other rede- redemption for... Um, oh, the other thing, it's not really a redemption, but I just kind of highlighted it, was at, at the end where Buffy and Willow are kind of sitting on the on the pavement slash sidewalk, however you want to call it. We call it a pavement. And they're obviously having a discussion about their feelings. And then this weird music kind of plays over the top. And yeah. It, <laughs> it sounds a bit like Dawson's Creek kind of music. And I'm like... Where's this music coming from? Yeah, that was really weird. (laughs) Yeah, it it didn't really kind of fit in with what they were trying to do. Uh, No, and the episode would have been much better if it ended with Dom being taken away. And then (laughs) my alternative theory, next episode, Dom and the Demon family, Spike figures out, Buffy saves the day. That would have been much, much better. That's your fan fiction. Yes, it is my fan fiction. (laughs) And it's fucking better than Double Meat Palace and... Spike all of a sudden being the doctor and whatever. <laughs> look, you can't knock Double Meat Palace because at least Double Meat Palace got one or more votes. Oh, you're right. Double Meat Palace is a demon with Spike being the doctor. Double Meat Palace is just when she starts working there. Yeah, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. With the, uh, the lady, with the snake head lady. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, God. How did that How did that get a vote? Yeah. I don't know. Someone, <laughs> someone voted for that episode, but they're not owning up. I can tell you it wasn't me. <laughs> no, me either, because that snake lady thing was kind of bad. <laughs> it's it's not, it's sort of less snake, kind of more phallic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Although it is kind of funny at the end where, you know, you find out that the double meat palace have no meat in their burgers, so. 
anyway. Yeah, we're not talking about the Warwick Palace. I really don't want to. I think overall, my redemption of Gone is complete. Whilst I'm not going to admit it's a great episode, it's not even good, it's not even average, it's not even poor, there are some things, I think there's some really good character development. I think that we can... Foreshadow some things. I basically think we can sum up your redemption to James Marsters' half nice apps. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I, I mean, got from it. So for somebody who well, doesn't I, think that, I was gonna, I was, <laughs> look, I wasn't going to say that first. I was going to talk about like character development and stuff first. But yeah, generally it is. He's got a hot body. Yeah, there mean, is no character development except for the trio. No, I think there is. There is for Buffy. Mm, yeah, maybe a little. And a little bit of foreshadowing and a little bit of callback to Out of Mind, Out of Sight. Oh, Out of Sight, Out of Mind. <laughs> So, whilst I'll admit it's really bad, it's redeemed by Athena. There we go. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, um, Phil. I'm, I'm uh, not going to redeem it until they remake it and make my alternative ending and replace Double Meat Palace with my idea. <laughs> well, maybe when, you know, some network in the future decides to... Uh, Reboot Buffy. Maybe you can get on board and... I will, because I don't want Buffy to be a freaking monster who ruins a poor woman's career just for her own selfish needs. Uh, yeah, poor Doris. Yeah, poor Doris. <laughs> so anyway, uh, your job now, Phil, is to uh, <laughs> redeem Get It Done. And I will admit that, like you said, I'm not going to say this is the best. I'm not going to say it's average. It is not <laughs> a good episode. But I do think it has, it gets points for trying, but... Does it really? In general, this is a terrible, terrible episode, and I totally understand why this and Gone did not get any votes. Oh, yeah, I completely understand why they didn't get any votes. Because Get It Done is all about, you know, Buffy dealing with all these potentials coming to her house, uh, and Robin Wood, and... Spike is there, and he has a soul, and oh my god, what are they going to do? The first is coming. It's not enough. Doom and gloom, doom and gloom, doom and gloom. Uh, and then she gets this magic That's bag. The episode. <laughs> yeah, then she gets this magic bag, and which... <laughs> uh, and she can transport into the past or into some kind of alternative parallel universe uh, where she meets the makers of the first Slayer. And that is basically the episode, and I'll get more into that later. But what I was going to say previously, it's uh, this, but when, when I put on, put on this episode, I, I felt like it is never good when an episode starts with two minutes of previously, uh, I timed it. It was literally two minutes of previously. Uh, it was so much information you needed in a previously to understand this episode. And I think that that is partly where season seven failed because two minutes of previously is way too much. Yeah. It's almost like they needed to kind of they needed to add all the previously because the episode is so terrible that they needed to kind of reach the 
uh, episode. I just think there's somewhere. so much just going on in the season, and nobody has a clue what's going on or keeping track. So they were like, just like, let's put it all in there. Uh, but anyway, the episode starts out with a pretty nice uh, Spanya. I'm going to call it Spike and Anya scene, where they're going out drinking because the house is full of potentials. And Anya kind of keeps insinuating that maybe she wants to have sex with Spike again. And he's all like, you're like a dog with a bone. Um, Stop it, because it's my bone. (laughs) And then they get attacked by a demon. And I just thought that was a pretty nice uh, opening scene to start with Spike and Anya, because those are two characters. You don't get to see that much together. And it's... uh, it's nice to see some kind of normalcy in the season and to just see characters uh, engage with each other, like characters we know, because there's so much about the potentials that anything with characters that we know, it's nice that they put in there, uh, I think. Uh, but uh, the thing is, okay, so <laughs> it's really hard to redeem this episode. <laughs> Do you know what? I was just going to say that. I was waiting for you to just kind of get into the, the proper kind of redemption and I was thinking she's not going to be able to do this. <laughs> no, it's really hard. I, I will say that I, I'm not a fan of Andrew, but it is kind of cute when he says that he thinks of himself more of a justice and like presents this little board uh, for a season seven episode. That's Pretty decent writing. Uh, okay. For season, it's I, I noticed something about the board. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the board is a picture of the town of Sunnydale, mm-hmm. right? Where's the airport and where are the docks? <laughs> they okay. have they are not on the board. Because uh, <laughs> later in the season when the town is ruined, they're obviously in the middle of the desert, so there are no docks. <laughs> <laughs> there are no docks. Yeah, I it's truly magical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to highlight the fact that we've always wondered like where the Sunnydale Airport and where the Sunnydale docks are, and they ain't there. <laughs> Don't know where they went to those docks, but it was nowhere near the town of Sunnydale. No, uh, I will say though, it, it is at least it's nice to sh- to see that the potentials are training, even if it's kind of a waste effort, you could say. Uh, it's nice to see that they're doing something, and I do find the scene where Willow comes out with all these weapons in her hands, and she's trying to explain it all away to Principal Wood. It's cute, because it's Willow. It feels like classic Willow. It's a very cute moment, and she kind of goes like, oh my god, I had no idea how I was going to explain all these weapons. Yeah, I do like that. The only thing I don't like is, like, how did Kennedy become, like, the de facto potential leader. I, I think it's because she's been training all of her life to be a slayer, so I think she's kind of supposed to be like Kendra 2.0. Because uh, I think they mentioned that, that she knew from like an early age that she was going to, that she is the potential, so she has already been in training. But she's still only a potential herself. Yeah. Like, I appreciate that you know, she has the training, but eventually these are her peers. Yeah. So she's not, although she's had the training, she's not better than they are. No, but I guess it's that basically she's bossy. Yeah. (laughs) uh, uh, Yeah. Uh, She's not great in the episode. The episode does not make me like Kennedy. (laughs) 
No. And I mean, I struggle to like Kennedy at the best of times, but yeah, like when she, she like, is not served well. No, and when she like calls Chloe a maggot and stuff, and she this episode does her no services. Um, and, see, the problem I had is that I didn't actually realise it was Chloe that she was calling a maggot. Oh, okay. I didn't actually pick that up at all. And obviously, so when we get to later on in the episode, I I think it's because. The problem that I have with the potentials as a whole is that a lot of them are just nameless girls. Yeah. yeah and I apart think. from Kennedy and a couple of others, you don't really know who any of them are. So when they start mentioning about Chloe this, Chloe that, I'm like, who's Chloe? <laughs> <laughs> Which one's Chloe? I don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind yeah. of like, you know who Kennedy is because she's doing Willow. And then you obviously know Rona because she's the token black girl. Uh, and then there's like the Chinese one, and yeah, I mean it's they're real, pretty much nameless, faceless people, you know. Uh, Apart from Amanda, because Amanda was awesome. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> but I only know her because I loved her on Freaks and Geeks. Yes. Uh, so that's why I remember her, and she looks exactly the same as she did on Freaks and Geeks. By the way, that woman does not age because. But she did. She I was Freaks and Geeks was. Wasn't that uh, filmed around the same time as this? But not as uh, season seven. It must have been at least a couple of years away from season seven. Well, season seven was 2003, wasn't it? You know what? I'll, I'm going to have to look this up. Well, oh, we're I, talking. Well, and meanwhile... Uh, well, Freaks and Geeks was 1999-2000. Yeah. So only a couple of years, really. Yeah, okay, yeah, I guess. Oh, I thought it was longer, I guess, but still, she looks exactly the same four years later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will also apologize, because this might be a bit um, um, scattershot, I'll say, because I've made a mind map. <laughs> I, I, we do like that. Yeah, I, I made a mind map, but then I did not follow it. <laughs> then I made a lot of weird notes. Anyway, I have notes. Uh, but, uh, my next note is that it is kind of terrible when Wood asks to see the vampire, and then they go down to the basement, and there's a, another kind of cute moment with, uh, Anya and Spike, and then she goes away, and then Wood starts talking to Spike, and he is so obvious that he yeah. literally hates Spike with every pore of his being, and it's just this horrible scene because it's it's so overdone it's like yeah. we understand why would hate spike but why is he basically telling that i mean it it's just horrible because it's like they're trying to beat the viewer over the head with it like he hates spike he hates spike he hates spike and you're like yeah we get it okay um but he doesn't realize well obviously he knows that a vampire killed his mother, and he knows that... But he already knows that it's Spike. Because that's in the previously, that um, conversations oh, yeah, with was. dead people. So he knows that it's Spike who killed his mom. Uh, do you know why I got confused? Is obviously later on in the episode, Spike gets his duster, which obviously used to belong to Nicky Wood. Yeah, which is And <laughs> Wood is there, and he's like, oh, uh where did you get that coat? Or something like that. And that's where he says, uh, New York. 
or something. Yeah, which just confirms it. In yeah, so with... uh, yeah, I got confused because I thought that was the confirmation that he needed to prove it with Spike, but because there were so many previously on, I think I got a bit bored. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, and then they kind of blah, 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 blah. And then it comes to this whole thing where they're setting up this thing with uh, with the figures and they have to read. uh, And Buffy's going to get sucked into this other world or jump into through this portal. And Sander makes, I think it was Sander, makes this really good point where they say that you have to make an exchange and Buffy's like oh I, I'm going in there and they're like Buffy you don't even know what you're exchanging and I just wrote like exactly and I really really wish that she would have come back and found all of her friends dead because she is not brave she's super dumb at this moment she just leaves them to fend off this terrible demon and I'm like She's their leader. This is the person making the plans. This is a terrible plan. <laughs> no, this is this is the person who likes monologuing. <laughs> yes, and not doing it very well, I might add. But what I will redeem about this scene and the one before that is the fact that there are some very nice Dawn and Buffy scenes. Uh, I really appreciate that Dawn gets to do something. Uh, Buffy's like making beds, and Dawn is talking to her, and of course. Buffy's kind of preoccupied, but at least Dawn gets something to do, and she's showing that she's researching, and uh, um, I don't know, I just, I like seeing them together, and then uh, when they're doing the whole shadow play thing, it's obviously Dawn is reading, uh, so it really feels like Dawn is starting to come into her own, and yeah. it feels like finally, because I feel like they have really been I mean, they really dropped the, the ball with this character because they could have done a lot more with Dawn instead of just having her hang around and, you know, hanging on to Buffy's skirt tails, you know? Um, there's so much more they could have done with Dawn. So it's very nice whenever you get to see them do anything with Dawn. So in that sense, I think that episode is a little bit redeemed. Dawn gets to do something. <laughs> I'd just like to say, from my point of view, uh, I don't know if this is a, a redemption or not. However, the the comment is made that the first hates puppets. Oh, it is. Um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I missed that. <laughs> um, when they when they have the uh, like the shadow, I keep call, I think it's I think of it in my head as the shadow show. But you know where they've got the the thing and they're doing the shadows on the wall and um, and it, they mention about Xander mentions about puppets. And about like bringing Kermit and Miss Piggy and stuff like that, and then they, they say, "Oh no, they're Muppets." But I think I think it's Xander who says the first hates puppets. <laughs> um, well, I guess we. And obviously, that. as a puppet lover, I was going to say, I guess we know then that you are not the first. <laughs> <laughs> I am certainly not the first. I am corporeal. Um, I don't know. I need to uh, touch this before I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I didn't mean that in a dirty way. Jeez, get your minds out of the gutter. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, have you got a body like James Masters? Because if so, (laughs) I'm down for that. (laughs) I will confess, I totally do. Oh, excellent. (laughs) Can't wait to see it. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to okay. be this good looking and athletic, but we all have our crosses to bear. Yep. <laughs> uh, also, 
I've got a couple of notes about this episode. Obviously, you talked about Buffy going through the portal. Yeah. Um, but before um, that, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, my notes are totally just scatterbrained, so... Oh, uh, okay. Well, mine are in some semblance of order, but... Oh, well, aren't you fancy? I know. <laughs> um, she, she ends up in the desert. Yeah. And yet she still is wearing, like, a really thick sweater <laughs> and a jacket. Well, what do you expect uh, her to do? Get undressed? Important. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're in the desert, uh, maybe take the... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't know, but, um, yeah, I... Oh, you know what you haven't mentioned? The most important part of the whole episode. Yeah, the Chloe hanging herself? Well, I'm getting to that. <laughs> oh, are you? Oh, okay. I'm, not going oh, in a, I'm not going in a straightforward manner because okay. that's not the kind of person I am. Jesus Christ. Well, we know Get that. Get my back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll just, I'll just let you finish your ramblings and then I'll come in with my... No, no, no. Please, uh, please interject because I have no idea what I'm doing. But anyway, okay. I did think that Chloe hanging herself is pretty effective. Like, in terms of... Uh, amping up, you know, the threat level of the season. So far, there has just been pretty much a lot of speechifying and stuff like that. So, Chloe actually hanging herself is pretty shocking. See, I disagree. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, first of all, like I say, I didn't actually know who Chloe was. And because I didn't know who she was, I didn't care that much about her. So... The fact I didn't care much about her, yeah, okay. Well, I didn't really uh, girl, care about her has... either, but, you know, she was still a girl and they find her hanging. That's pretty tragic from yeah, I mean, a human being. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I obviously, you know, she she felt the need to commit suicide, and that's obviously a, a tragic event. But in the context of the show and everything that's going on, I was a little bit like... Uh, Whatever. <laughs> I, I genuinely didn't care. Oh, like, genuinely. Well, I was like, I, I don't just, even know who this girl is. I, I would just like to say that, clearly, Athena is the one who is callous and strange, and I'm a <laughs> warm, friendly, and caring individual. I think it's good that we have to settle. <laughs> I just, I mean, obviously, I'm not, I feel like I, I have to kind of, you know, redeem myself now. Um, obviously, the fact that a girl has died is, is quite sad. And the fact that, you know, it's obviously the first that has persuaded her to do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, you don't care, okay? <laughs> if it had, I think if it had been someone who we'd actually spent a bit of time with and actually knew, I mean, that's, a little bit. I mean, that's the problem this whole season. We don't really know yeah. any of the potentials, so it's really hard to care about any of them. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you know, if it had been Amanda, for example... I would have genuinely been very upset because at this point we know Amanda. I don't feel like we know Amanda at this point either. No, but at least Amanda's had a couple of lines, and you know she has like a little hi with Principal Wood earlier on, and I don't know. It's it's freaking talking. (laughs) It kind of is, but I don't know. Maybe I am just really heartless. Yes. But yes, it just didn't it just didn't and then the the bit with the first kind of banging on a little bit, I was I guess I was just bored. Like 
I'm bored. I was bored of the first as a villain anyway. So what you're saying is that you're Spike without a soul, and I'm Spike with a soul. Interesting. <laughs> well, we have both got hot bodies, so. Oh, uh, I mean, <laughs> is really tiresome when the first appears with Chloe and then like lectures them about what they've done wrong and blah blah blah. Um, the one thing that could have made that seem kind of cool is when Chloe speaks with Buffy's voice if the first had then morphed into Buffy and spoken with her voice, you know? Instead of them just using um, a voiceover, uh, it would have been cool to see then already, like, that the first could be Buffy, you know? Uh, Yeah. Because then you could understand that because that would be quite scary for yeah. if you were a potential. Because then you would never know there. if Buffy's Buffy, you know? Exactly. That that would have been quite effective. Yeah, so that, they should have done that. <laughs> but again, they, they, they didn't do that. So. What is not effective is A, Buffy digging a grave for Chloe because she doesn't seem bothered at all. She just kind of wipes her forehead, but she doesn't look sad or anything. Uh, Maybe I'm the Buffy in this relationship because, you know, obviously I didn't care either. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes in and gives this horrible speech to them, oh, which is bad. horrible <laughs> from the beginning to the end. And I'm like, no wonder these characters, like, in a few episodes, like, no wonder why they hate her and want her out of the house because I hate her and want her out of the house. And I have loved her for seven years by now. They have not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the things that she says as well, she says something like, I've been... Um, I've been carrying you guys. Yeah, I've been carrying you for so long. It's like, no, you haven't. <laughs> no, and I'm like, and Sander makes an excellent point there where he's like, oh, but only because you told us to wait for you, you know? Like, you've been, you're our leader, Buffy. And I'm like, yeah, and she's a terrible leader. Yeah. At this point. Like, she's... Yeah, she's un- she's officially unpeppy. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, does she even pick up Spike? And it's like I find it very like annoying when she basically tells Spike that she wants him to be bad Spike because I feel like the writers have been telling us for almost two seasons that Spike needs to be a good Spike to be with Buffy, and then suddenly Buffy's like, "Oh, I want you to be a monster again," and I'm like, "What's wrong with you?" Uh, yeah, uh, it's- yeah, I commented on that as well in my notes because I was a bit like, you know, yeah, okay, she has a point because they need a fighter, they need someone who can help them, but she, the show can't have its cake and eat it. No, exactly. the show can't have bad Spike. And then say, no, 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 we want good Spike. Well, no, 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 we actually, we want bad Spike. Yeah, no, 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 you, we want good Spike. You need to find good Spike being able to be tough-ass uh, or kick-ass, and then instead they just go like, oh, let's bring back bad Spike, because he goes and gets that duster, which is particularly gross since the murder victim's son is in the show at this point. So... It's just really gross that he goes and gets that coat to be, like, his old self again. I'm like, you needed to make him kick ass, but still being good. Not go like, oh, let's bring back old Spike. Because it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I think, because obviously the show is is trying to make the point, isn't it, that, I I don't know, maybe it isn't trying to do this, but all it takes is, his old belongings to make him the man that he was, and even though he's not the man that he was, 
But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, obviously at this point, Spike doesn't know that but Principal it, Wood is the... I know, but it's of, still terrible because he still knows that he murdered somebody for that coat and he's supposedly good now and feels bad about stuff like that, supposedly. Do you know what? I didn't actually think of that in that in that way. That obviously the fact he's got a soul, because obviously if you compare him to Angel, I mean Angel had went through a lot of torment with his past life and what he'd done and uh, trying to get past that. Whereas we never really see that in Spike. No, it's very disappointing. It's um, kind of why I wanted Spike to have more time with Angel at this point in the show because I would have wanted to see Spike struggle instead of Spike just being like, oh, fuck it. I killed this woman. I don't care. Uh, yeah. Let's be badass again because it, it doesn't come across as cool. It comes across as callous and cruel, especially because we as viewers know who Robin Wood is. Yeah. Um. So it just... it. For me, it comes from the writer's point of view. I see what they're trying to do, but it comes off of a tone deaf, you know? Uh, it doesn't really work, I think, the way they want it to work. Uh, and I really wish no. that they would have found another way to make Spike, uh, you know, more more kick-ass than he... Yeah, and, and it's like, the thing that annoys me with it is that it's like he can just kind of turn on a dime and all of a sudden, yeah, I'm going to be bad again. And it's like, what what actually has happened to make you decide... Oh, just because this woman has told you. Is yeah. that it? Yeah, you know? that's it. He, and he also says that, you know, with the soul, he's like, I did this for you. And again, I'm like, well, that's a terrible reason to get a soul. I'm sorry. I mean, it's, he should be doing it. For, I mean, I get it. He was evil and he wasn't thinking about himself, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, for me, it's just him having a soul just to be with Buffy completely dilutes the fact that he now has a soul and he's supposed to be good because it's still all dependent on the Buffy factor. Yeah. So if it's, she goes like kind want, of a selfish soul. Yeah, so she's like, I want you to be a monster and he's like, Okay, I'll be a monster. Uh I don't know. It's 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 just really weird. I, I don't really understand what they're trying to do here. It's they're they they are trying to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I think that's the only way we can kind of describe it is that they they have uh, an end point that they want to get to. Yeah. They've obviously only got a certain amount of episodes left to get to that end point. So they're... And I think, again, this is one of the problems that I have with Season 7 is that it feels like they had this idea and they were like, well, we've got so many episodes to do this. And it's just like, oh, okay, we need to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And let's just all put it all together and hopefully it'll work. And there's no real build-up to anything. So it's like they didn't really have time to build up Spike's change in from going from a caring kind of soulful vampire that he is at the start to becoming a badass. They're just like, oh, no, we need to ha- it needs to happen now. So let's just do it. Bang, done. Yeah. And you know what? Um, they maybe could have done that if they hadn't had all the freaking potentials. <laughs> well, exactly, because... I still stress that the worst thing, there's a lot bad with season seven, but the absolute worst thing about season seven is the potentials. Uh, for me, it's a tie between the potentials, Spike's soul, Spike's malfunctioning, no, yeah, the chip is in the season, and Spike's trigger. I'm like, stop trying to make fetch happen. 
spiking hand one thing, and that is it. You can develop that organically throughout the season. Don't have everything in one season. Yeah. Yeah. It's Honestly, too much. We, we, to be honest, like, we don't agree on much, apart from, like, 90s and 2000s nostalgia. But as soon as you started to say, stop trying to make such happen, that is genuinely what was in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so, and a lot of things, we, we disagree on a lot, but there are some things that it's like we're in sync. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm not saying that those were bad ideas for the character's spike. It's just a bad idea to have it all in one season. Exactly. It's, it's not a bad idea. It's bad execution. Yeah, and it's it kind of like I also wrote with... Robin Wood giving the bag to Buffy that was his mother's. I'm like... Which he's kept for, like, 30 years. Yeah. As you do. And I just go, like, there are too many magical Slayer thingamabobs in the season two. Like, there's this thing, there's the amulet later, there's the scythe. I'm like, stop having magical things just appearing just when they're needed. Yeah. It doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know... On the whole, I, I don't think you could ever redeem season seven as a whole. <laughs> I think season seven as a whole is irredeemable. <laughs> but I will um, say the good thing about this episode is that at least they are attempting to expand the mythology of the Slayer line. And they are attempting to explain how the Slayer was created, which is really interesting. Uh, it's interesting, but it's gross. It is gross, and I'm not at all surprised that that would be how the Slayer was created. So I do like that, uh, and I do like that aspect of the show, that they are trying to, like, explain the Slayer line and how it was created and what they did to this girl. And it is technically fine that Buffy resists, but I wrote this down. She literally said, as they're trying to give her more power, she says, uh, you violated that girl, made her kill for you because you're weak. And I'm like, um, this would work much better if Chosen didn't happen the way it did. Because in Chosen, Buffy asks about a dozen of girls, do you want to be slayers? They say yay, but as we know, thousands of girls became slayers. So yeah. because Buffy was weak, she violated a couple of thousand girls and made them killers because she was yeah. weak and couldn't face this threat. So yeah. it's really hard to take her moral righteousness in this episode seriously when you know what's going to happen later. Yeah. And this is my, my main issue with this episode as a whole because this is where Buffy learns what has happened to the first slave. Yeah. So she is fully aware that a group of men have essentially forced something upon a young woman against her will. She's not consented to this. Buffy knows this. And Buffy is obviously of the ability to be able to, you know, resist this, even though they're, you know, they're trying, they're trying to force it on her as well. She says she doesn't want it, and yet they're still trying to force it on her. She eventually manages to you know, fight it off, and that's great. But, as you say, when we get to Chosen, Buffy does exactly the same thing that these men are doing. And the fact that she knows, she finds out in this episode, I, I, that's 
that whole thing is irredeemable. Yeah, it is for you. Because there's these women around the world, they haven't, yes, the potentials have consented, because they're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. But everyone else has No, and I'm like, to me, that's just like, she becomes them. Like, in the episode, it's portrayed as that they are monsters doing this to these women, but then by chosen, by all logic, standards, then she becomes the monster. Yeah. And it's, I get it that people are like, oh, it's female empowerment. It's not. <laughs> it's really not. It's just her forcing power well, on people. Well, exactly. And as you pointed out to me earlier, you know, had, in, you know, in Gone, had it been Buffy who got her shirt ripped open by an invisible spike, that doesn't make it any better. It, you, it, it kind of forces you to look at something from a different perspective and kind of say, well, yeah, just because it's, a man getting his shirt ripped open doesn't actually mean it's a good thing. No. Even though, you know, as <laughs> it is. But, um, but it's the same sort of thing. Just because it's a woman doing it, it doesn't make it No, fun. and it doesn't, certainly doesn't make it feminism just because Buffy has boobs and a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> but I, right. I did and, make the note that uh, I was like, her fighting old patriarchal norms is good, I guess. Shame she becomes it. <laughs> That's my literal note. Uh, because I do think she becomes it. But, I mean, when she's kicking their ass and resisting what they're trying to force on her, that's, I guess, a pretty empowering scene. Uh, so if you haven't seen Chosen uh, so far, Spoilers. Uh, this seems fairly empowering. Although, I do have to say that I think it's a terrible choice she makes. Because, A, she has a choice. Uh and, I mean, let's compare to, say, Cordelia in Season 3 of Angel. She goes, demonize me already, when Skiff offers her to become a demon to handle her powers. I'm like, why is Buffy so precious? Uh, why can't she have more power? Like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure why she's like, I need to be hella human. Um, at this point, I don't entirely, I, I, personally, I just feel like more demon Buffy might have been more interesting to see than potential. Yeah, but I think from Buffy's point of view, it was the way that they were trying to do it to her, I think, because that was the way that they did it to the first Slayer, and it's still a violation yeah. of of what what the first Slayer had to go through. And so I suppose from Buffy's point of view, she doesn't want the these men to have the satisfaction of knowing that, you know, oh, they've helped her out in a time of crisis. Buffy wants the ability to be able to on her own which is admirable yes uh, but obviously at that point she doesn't know what she's facing and it's only when he touches her gently on the head <laughs> but I mean she knows she's facing something that she is not equipped to deal with obviously because that's all she's been harping on the entire episode <laughs> so she know. I just feel like it's, it makes her dumb to refuse power just because she's like I don't want it this way because, uh, like, at the end of the episode, Willow is like, oh, it's okay, Buffy, we'll get by, we always do. And I'm like, stop coddling her, she's being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, obviously, at the end, we get, like, a... I put in my notes, lots of Uber vans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, just, like, loads and loads, say, loads, uh, and loads A few random positive things about this episode is that... When Dawn is reading the origin myth and the shadow play begins, that is actually quite effective and spooky. Uh, yeah, that that is actually quite yeah, that's good. that's pretty good, well executed scene. 
Uh, I also uh, really thought it was funny when Spike is going to fight the demon and he goes like, I'm going to do what I do best. And then he just gets thrown out up through the ceiling. And Kevin yeah. is like, uh, it's getting thrown through the ceiling what he does best. <laughs> that was a little bit funny. Uh, and I also, um, I, I actually like when the rest of them are talking about getting Buffy back from this place she's gone to and Anya goes if she's so superior let her find her own way back I'm like yes because basically she left her friends out to dry because she knew there was going to be an exchange she didn't didn't give a shit about what kind of exchange it would be and then this horrible monster appears that could have killed them all and I just feel like she doesn't think at this point in the series She, she just reacts to things and it makes her a terrible leader. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of on her own kind of self-righteous journey. She's here. like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. Uh, screw the rest of you. And then you get the scene. Yeah, screw the consequences. You get the scene when she comes back and she's just standing completely unharmed uh, in the living room. And all of her friends are pretty much bruised and torn and look like they've gone through the ringer from her. And she's just looking at them kind of like... I don't care. I mean, there's no, like, thank you, no emotion, no nothing. Uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like she's so self-involved. At this, uh, yeah, it's almost like she's, she's like, clinical. She's, like... Yeah. It's like there's, there's, there's nothing kind of... But I think the episode um, when she does the monologue earlier about, you know, I've been carrying you, and there's obviously quite a lot of tension at that time. Yeah. Because further on in the season, obviously, in empty places is when, eventually, they've kind of had enough of her. So, I mean, I guess I it's, um, they're good at showing that this is happening, I guess. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I remember the first time I watched a show uh, this season, and I thought, in a way, that it made kind of sense that by now Buffy, Buffy would be so battle-weary and kind of so broken on the inside that she is just a general and it is just about the mission. But I don't know. Something about it that's just Yeah, it's I know that obviously we mentioned earlier in Gone about that, you know, Invisible Buffy wasn't Buffy. This isn't Buffy. No. It's like they don't know how Buffy would react in these situations it's like she's she's almost a completely different character really it's bizarre although i'd just like to say one thing i did like about this episode was when it's in the scene with willow and buffy and principal wood on the the porch where willow kind of says that you know he's so much cooler than snyder or something Mm -hmm. like that and i just thought that was a lovely little call back to snyder (laughs) Uh, God rest his soul. I thought about that too. I was like, "Oh, it's Snyder." <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I have so many issues with this episode, but it's mainly to do with the, the whole business with the, the first Slayer and the. Yeah, I will say for me. Are they, are they called the, red, watchers? Red, the watchers? Not the watchers. Yeah, I don't know what you should call them, but for me, the. Right. Uh, where the watchers have come from. What redeems this episode is the attempt to dig into the Slayer mythology, the attempt to explain the origin story, 
Um, which, I mean, let's face it, we all want to know the origin story of the superheroes we follow. Um, and I think Dawn is good, and I do think that based on this episode, Buffy standing up to those original watchers, whatever, it's fairly effective and functional. It just doesn't work for season seven as a whole because she becomes them. Uh, at the end of the season, but just based on this episode, that's the face. I mean, it's basically her kicking their asses. It's like this modern girl kicking old patriarchal norms. So I will give it some redemption points for that, that they're, like, trying to show that Buffy's not going to, she's not going to take their violation. She's going to kick their high knees and show who's the boss. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, my tentative uh, redemption for this terrible episode. So basically, what we're saying is that in these two episodes, they are essentially both redeemed. Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's literally it. Like Dawn is the only good thing about these <laughs> Yeah, because I, I never thought that we would ever say that about Dawn, but, you know, I think that in the late, I mean, obviously in season five she's a bit annoying, but she definitely does kind of start to come into her own and, like you said, start to have her own uh, thing. Well, I to feel do. like the, thing, um, the problem with this episode, for example, like this being like the origin story, is that it's not well executed because they're doing it under such time pressure. Like, I feel like if they, if they would have spent more time on these things, like, if they would have spent more time on these things, and on, like, Dawn, who is by now a major character, instead of trifling with, like, giving Spike 50 different plot lines and giving, getting all these potentials in there, I'm like, focus your attention. Like, why couldn't we have had more Spike dealing with his soul? Um... Why couldn't we have had more Dawn? Why couldn't we have more evolved of an origin story, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think in the end, there, there there are really good ideas at the core of both of these episodes. Yeah. That's it's just execution that's not. It's like, it's almost like, you know, someone, some writer has had an idea and they say, yeah, this is a really good idea. And then someone else has come in and gone, yeah, but it'd be much better if we did this as well. And then we could do this, and then we could do this and put it all together. And the first one has kind of gone, well, yeah, but that's kind of not what I yeah, intended. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't think we could probably say that one is better than the other. I think they're both yeah, they're both. that. <laughs> I, arguably, they are both really, truly the worst episodes of Buffy. I mean, yeah. it's no wonder they, they didn't get any votes. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sorry, but when a shirtless James Masters can't save the episode, yeah, then you, know then it, you know it's bad. <laughs> um, yeah. He's shirtless uh, over like that. He's pantsless, too. <laughs> is and uh, 
the the way that he wraps that sheet around his waist. I'm more thinking about uh, the scene, uh, you know, where Buffy, invisible Buffy's lying uh, under the sheets. So you kind of have the curve of her hip. And he's standing like right where her waist is. And you can see his abs. And like those abs right before the starts. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that is a particularly Uh, nice. That's that's where I felt kind of bad for James because I was like he is really naked here <laughs> yeah oh yeah you can tell it's not like I think it's I think it's in Wrecked at the start of Wrecked where they've obviously just brought the house down and uh, they're all kind of post-coital and you can clearly see he's wearing like pants oh yeah I looked <laughs> well, they're definitely there uh, <laughs> but in this one he's definitely he not certainly not wearing <laughs> pants <laughs> But one thing I did notice, actually, just going back to God and the the exercising <laughs> scene, was that obviously the scene that you mentioned, where there's clearly someone under the sheets, you can see that it's a curvature of a woman's hips. But when he's actually doing his exercises, you can't actually see oh, her that's legs. True, I didn't think about that, but that's true. So yeah, I noticed that straight away. I was like, yeah, but you can't. You that's can see his legs, but unless he's <laughs> so unless his legs are on top of her legs, but then that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, I thought it would. Except <laughs> the fact that you know a sex scene can be quite nice. I do think that that scene is kind of cringeworthy. It's kind of terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. It is proper cringe. <laughs> it's um. Yeah. It's it's. Really but yeah. So basically. Yeah, Dawn is the redeemer of these episodes. Words we never yeah. thought we Dawn would say, saves but the day. Uh, no. Dawn saves. <laughs> Dawn does. It's, it's incredible, actually. I didn't uh, even think of that. It's not in my notes or anything. I literally just kind of thought of it just now when uh, you mentioned, obviously, the fact that the Dawn in let in not let it done. <laughs> thinking of like let it go for some reason <laughs> when I think of get it done so I get confused um but the, we've got a good good dawn in get it done and we've got good dawn in gone try saying that really fast uh <laughs> um yeah so I think we've kind of I don't think there's anything else we can uh, say we I can't thought... really redeem these episodes no I don't think further. we can I mean no I don't think so so I guess, I guess we've just reached the natural end of this discussion. Uh, let's not pad it out with anything that's not necessary because we're not season seven. Oh, so you don't want to talk more about James Marsh's abs? <laughs> oh, we doesn't really get his abs out much in season seven. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll have to talk about his abs, but I kind of don't think the listeners want to hear the saliva kind of dripping. I think you're <laughs> underestimating our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on next episode of the uh, podcast it will literally just be the sound of song <laughs> mm, nice <laughs> um, yeah so unless you've got anything else that you specifically um, get it done is better than gone no 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 we agreed okay fine I, I will agree they are equally out. unredeemable we did our best, but yeah. they're both, they get a shared, unredeemable spot. 
yeah, they're, they are both equally bad. And I think it would be unfair for us to kind of say that one is better or worse than the other. What I also feel yeah. really interesting about both of these episodes is that Buffy is really rather unlikable in both of them. Yes, she. she and that might be that. why they are she's, so, um, you know, why they rank so low with viewers because you don't relate to Buffy in this episode. And since it is Buffy the Vampire Slayer on the most basic episode, on some point you need to relate to Buffy. So I do think that that's yeah. probably why they rate so low, that people just don't connect to Buffy in these episodes. Yeah. Completely yeah. agree. And, yeah, on uh, on that, I guess. I guess that's it. I guess I guess that's it. I'm going to go and uh, fill out my big board of uh, podcasts. <laughs> uh, a nice map of Sunnydale that includes the, the docks and the airport, because obviously... I'm going to go let out some dinosaurs to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> have you actually seen? Of course I've seen them. them. Um, I definitely saw the first one in the 90s. And I'm pretty sure I saw the second one. And I'm not sure if there actually are more than two movies. So... Yeah. Yes, talking about oh, okay. more than two. So, I have definitely <laughs> seen parts of them during the 90s. <laughs> okay, well, there was one that came out, like, a couple oh. of years ago, called Jurassic oh. World. Yeah, I did not know you that. You don't know about that one. Okay, well, that one's got Chris Pratt in it, who also looks very good without a shirt off. So, you know, just... So, uh, you're talking Guardians of the Galaxy, Chris Pratt, and not... Parks and Rec, Chris Pratt, right? Yes. I mean, obviously, they're the same <laughs> guy, but he worked out. And, yeah, I'm talking Guardians of the Galaxy, Chris Pratt. I'm not talking because I know something. I'm really impressed with you and your film knowledge recently. Yeah, really and I'm going to... Talking knows nothing about it's film. It's impressive <laughs> since I've actually never seen Parks and Rec or Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> this is all just well, House of Cards, some movie okay. on a stack of lies. <laughs> Well, no, I think I'm, I'm less impressed. However, I am kind of impressed because I know I've spoken to you about Guardians of the Galaxy a mm-hmm. few times. So I think you've just picked that up from oh. me. So it proves that you can listen to what I say. Oh, and our relationship because will Guardians prevail. Guardians of the Galaxy is one of my faves. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. It's, it's oh, really? Amazing. I've totally missed that. And I just watched you. the sequel, and the sequel is brilliant. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm very impressed with your either your knowledge or your ability to listen to yes. me when I speak. Basically, <laughs> I'm your parent. Uh, okay. I, no, that's that's so not true because if you were, then you would agree with me on the board. And you <laughs> that's do. true. But that's because you sometimes so, have terrible taste. In my defense. Yeah, but not in abs. Mm-hmm. I've got excellent. I'm not taste sure about abs. that. Too skinny abs. <laughs> to be fair. The one thing I did notice in Gone was that James Masters does look yeah. very small. Like, I mean, because obviously he's not a tall guy I feel anyway. like uh, I, I so, can't remember where I read it anymore, but I know that I saw him discuss it at some point, that he actually, you know, in order to stay in shape for those sex scenes, he actually, he himself feels that he didn't look particularly healthy there because he got so skinny. Uh, and I totally get yeah. his point because he is, very like um 
very sculpted in a way, but in the way where it looks like he has zero body fat. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, I mean, a, a, a physique like that is hard work, work to maintain. So, you know, obviously he had to work very hard you know, to, you know what? I just to get want, that. Basically, I just want to say, James, go have a hamburger. We will love your abs anyway. <laughs> basically, James, we will love you regardless. <laughs> we don't care what you look He's like. Very, very You're sweet. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he does. On on um I mean, I've not been to any cons or anything like that. I do really, really want to go. But I've heard from quite a few people on the boards, actually, who've met James, that he is the loveliest yeah, I mean, I don't, guy. I don't even like so Spike, humble. and I would still like to meet James. <laughs> What we should ah, what we should do is we should like go to a con and do a podcast from a con. How <laughs> awesome would that be? And then we should get them to talk to us on the podcast. Yeah. Oh my god, ideas, ideas. So yeah, we'll we'll no promises, people. <laughs> it's just a crazy idea, but you know, you never know. These things, there are still many many buffy cons that happen. So you know, maybe one day we'll meet at a con, and maybe one day we'll record, and maybe one day we can speak to someone like James Masters and try not to rip his shirt off because that's And don't worry people, I will bring an extra bit so that I can, you know, wipe Athena's drooly chin from uh, <laughs> meeting James. <laughs> that 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 would be I feel like we've kind of strayed off the podcast topic now, so maybe we should just round it no, up. No, we haven't. No. We haven't because we are still talking about podcasts, but we're talking about a potential future podcast where we rip James Masters' shirt off, is that right? Am I? Is that yeah, no, that's what not what I'm yeah. talking about. That's what you're doing. Uh, oh. I'll just be taking oh. the footage so that when you're put into prison for assaulting him, I can still <laughs> put it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, that sounds fair. Um, maybe, maybe we won't go to any cons. <laughs> maybe it's just safer to say let's not. <laughs> To be honest, and and this is genuine, even if I went to a con and even if I saw someone like James Masters at a con, and even if he came up to me, I would be so shy and so afraid of talking to him. I'd just be like, <laughs> and just like run off. I'd, I'd get so starstruck, I genuinely would. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to even attempt to touch him, <laughs> let alone rip his shirt off. I just had to like, backtrack there, just in case. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. So, anyway, yeah, a uh, bit of a tangent, but, you know, we wouldn't be us if we didn't go off on one of those at some point. Um, so. I, I yeah, have uh, to say that so I, I guess this is the end of the episode, and I would just like to pat our shoulders, because I feel like we have been remarkably on topic. Yeah, we've done really well <laughs> today, haven't we? We must be low on sugar or something. <laughs> Well, I haven't eaten yet, so maybe that's, maybe that's why. I'm going to go and I'm going to have some food now. Stock up. Stock my abs. <laughs> my abs are food. We will have your abs to... with a cheeseburger. <laughs> oh, thanks. Good. They are cheeseburger abs, so. <laughs> that's uh, coincidental. And I need to sort out the diva cat because you may have heard jingling in the background and whingy meows and that's her and she obviously wants something and I need to go and sort out the diva for she is a diva 
and uh, she does diva things. So we will we will. Meanwhile, my yeah. super sweet dog Buffy is lying nicely next to me, sleeping. Yeah, <laughs> would well, like to say you know for the old cat versus dog debate. <laughs> In case we get tired of Angel or Spike. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think we would ever get tired of Angel versus Spike. Because we know which camp we're on and we know oh, which one we like. So. so, yeah, I guess I guess we'll say yep. goodbye then. Bye, everybody, um, and see you in uh, about a month. <laughs> and um, so I've been... I have definitely been Phil. <laughs> <laughs> you have. And I'd just like to end with, stop <laughs> Never. Never. <laughs> you can't deny this fire. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of fire, uh, candles are like bombs. So. And speaking of that, there are no quotable lines from Get It Done. So, bye! Lord. <laughs>